Welcome to the Men of Iron podcast, changing a culture one man at a time. At Men of Iron, we equip men and grow godly leaders through creating and sustaining one-to-one and micro-group mentorships. Go to menofiron.org for more info. Thanks for listening. We, we sink into this reality that Jesus is going to restore everything. Like, he will reverse the pain. Um, but where it kind of goes off the rail, I think, is that we, um, we think that then means that we should be happy when, when hard things happen and we have to you know, go through it with, with smiles. Like, hope isn't an emotion. Hope is a belief. And the scriptures actually allow so much permission to be sad and confused and hurt and sorrowful and not have to, like, rush to this place of joyful praise. What is up, world? Welcome to the Men of Iron podcast, episode 42. It's Steve and Justin back at it. What's going on? We're in Mannheim, baby. Mannheim. You kind of have a little, well, I should say a love-hate with Mannheim, huh? Yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> I have, yeah, I don't know. I think I still have a love-hate, even though I call Mannheim my home now, so uh, don't tell don't tell G that. Yeah, it's only temporary. <laughs> He'll be back to Willow Street. Episode 42 is brought to you by Friends of Angels. Friends of Angels exist to help grieving parents navigate the devastating journey of child loss. Through the Catherine Francis Leho Burial Fund, they provide financial assistance for families with unforeseen expenses during this difficult time. You go to friendsofangelspa.org for more information. If you're interested in sponsoring the next Men of Iron podcast, check out the link at menofiron.org backslash sponsor. We are excited for episode 42. This is part two of our f- of episode 41. We're here with Clint Watkins. Clint is a disciple and a teacher, a father to Eli and a husband to Jillian. He is a auth- the author of the blog frailfather.com. And we're just excited to get into part two here, Justin. Yeah. Uh, so if you didn't listen to 41, go check it out. Uh, we just kind of walked through Clint and Jillian's uh, journey. Uh, from finding out uh, they were pregnant with their first uh, and then hitting, hitting the devastating news of uh, a terminal um, diagnosis, their choice to continue to carry him to term, and, and just, yeah, the process that's now been uh, in, in lamenting his, um, his death uh, on November 8th. Uh, and so, as I said last time, I mean, this is not something that this topic is is uncommon for people people are going to lose people uh they're going to go through really devastating things and and so the the point then is not that will you probably find this in your life experience but how do you deal with it and i think this this episode in particular kind of turning that towards that that conversation is how do we lament like as a church how do we allow for grief how do we do this how do we support others how do we what does it look like to authentically work through suffering uh, because I think there's some misconceptions about what that looks like from a scriptural view and from a community of, of the body of Christ. Um, so that's kind of where we're turning our attention this, this episode. So uh, I think maybe that's kind of what we'll start with, Clint. I'm, I'm just, you know, lament. Uh, it's it just, it's a tough subject uh, for anyone to deal with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it's something that any individual works through well necessarily, but uh, the church seems to have an interesting approach to it. Uh, both, maybe speak to what they, maybe we, what the church has gotten right, but maybe what are we missing? <laughs> that's that's <laughs> putting me in the spot of thinking that I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um yeah, I mean, 
I'll, I guess I would just start with the, the scriptures. I think lament, well, I know that lament is such a prevalent form of worship in, this, in the Bible. Um, you know, the Psalms, kind of like the songbook of Israel and, and what we shape our worship around, over a third of the Psalms would be considered laments. So there's definitely a scriptural basis to lean into suffering and to, to sing about it and to worship through it. Um, and, you know, like when Jesus is at Lazarus's funeral, and he, he knows he's gonna raise him from the dead and there's people weeping. He doesn't say, guys, just hold off your grief, like wait to see what happens. He weeps with them. Um, and so I think the idea of lament is, um, I mean, lament is worship. And I mean, it's, it's hard. Like I was aware of the lack of, you know, minor key songs in the church before this, but I've just experienced it personally of how, how hard it is to show up on a Sunday when all of the songs are happy and, and hopeful, um, and lament is, is pretty rare. Um, but Clint, like, how can you be a follower of Christ and not always be happy? <laughs> I don't know. I, apparently I may not be a follower <laughs> of Jesus. Yeah, I think, okay, if I had to say what I think that the church does right, is we, we, um, we fight for the hope of mm-hmm. the gospel. Uh, and so, like, we take First Thessalonians 4, where, where Paul says to not grieve as, as the Gentiles do who have no hope. And then he talks about the resurrection. He talks about Jesus returning. I think we, we sink into this reality that Jesus is going to restore everything. Like, he will reverse the pain. Um, but where it kind of goes off the rail, I think, is that we, um, we think that then means that we should be happy when, when hard things happen and we have to you know, go through it with, with smiles. Like hope isn't an emotion, hope is a belief. And the scriptures actually allow so much permission to be sad and confused and hurt and sorrowful and not have to like rush to this place of joyful praise. Um, so I don't know if that starts yeah, your question. Yeah, I mean, it's even like the first that Thessalonians passage, it's not a period. We don't grieve, period. Like the, it, we don't grieve. So there, it, like those who have no hope mm-hmm. so we do grieve it there is a permission to grieve and mm-hmm. i think maybe that's kind of what you're getting at is like the church sometimes goes well, yeah well be, hope must like you know like wipe away those emotions and there's it's that we it's finding that balance and that tension of grieving with hope mm-hmm. how do we grieve with hope mm-hmm. and it's yeah i think it's it's like a tension like both can exist at the same time the the joy and the sorrow and there's so many places and i've really appreciated uh you know god's word throughout all of this because it it gives us this tension and even unresolved realities of suffering so you know paul talks about being sorrowful yet rejoicing and jesus says blessed are those who mourn and blessed are those who weep um and i think actually one of my favorite spots in the scripture is ecclesiastes where solomon says that sorrow is better than joy and he says the, the heart of the wise is in the house of mourning. Um, and that just hasn't, up until this point, that hasn't been my experience. Like that all seems so new to me. And it was so freeing for us to realize that the scriptures are saying, no, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to weep and to mourn. And actually we're encouraged by the Lord to, to lean into that raw and, and really uncomfortable pain and sorrow and not feel like we have to like rush through it or, or push it aside. That's good. You talk about, you know, scriptures saying it's okay to be sad and sorrowful and, and dealing with that and processing through that. 
but just kind of talk about the idea of of anger and and how you and Jillian walked through that just being you know angry and loss and and whether it's it's okay for that idea to be angry at God Mm -hmm. yeah I mean our emotions have been all over the place um you know losing losing anyone but especially losing a child is so complicated and complex and I don't think there's there's an emotion on the emotional wheel that I haven't experienced this last year um so, yeah, I mean, we've definitely been angry, and um, we've been angry at the Lord, um, several different spots. I don't think our anger, I mean, if I look back and I was just honest and objective, I think there has been sinful anger. Um, but I, I think we've tried to do a decent job, like, keeping our anger in check and not, like, we've never railed at the Lord or lashed out in fury and, and you know, um, you know, cursed him and been irreverent, but um, we have definitely been angry. But I think for me, it's often been the surface level emotion that's on top of just a deep hurt and confusion. Um, and same with Jillian. I think the the hardest for me in my anger has been the timing of Eli's birth. Um, you know, we were stepping out in faith and trying to honor Eli and honor our the Lord in the things that we were doing on his behalf. So, um, yeah, we were going to get a maternity, we were going to have a maternity photo shoot and that was scheduled for November 7th when, um, when her water broke and we were going to have a dedication service at our church, which really hurt like to dedicate our son to the Lord who was already taking him from us. Um, that was just a really hard place to be in. We were going to have a Watkins family photo shoot that same weekend. And I, I have thought a lot about it and, I honestly can't think of worse timing for Eli to have been born. Um, and that has just hurt me so deeply. Um, and, and working through those emotions has been our grief. You know, it's been part of our grief um, and figuring out what's going on, how do we feel, and how do we feel towards the Lord. But I don't think anger is in it of itself sinful. It's an emotion. Mm-hmm. It's more what has caused that anger and how do we respond to it. Um, so to say whether or not it's okay to be angry with the Lord is, I mean, that's a difficult question to answer, but I, I would say that I think the, the gracious adoption you know, that happens through the cross means that we're God's kids, and so he can take our temper tantrums. Um, but then I also, one of the things that's been freeing is to realize that God is also angry with us. Um, you know, in, in John 11, when Jesus stands at Lazarus's tomb, the, the most translations don't show you this, but it, it says that he was raging, like he was actually angry. And, um, you know, I have felt that anger, not towards the Lord, but towards death. You know, the, the thing that has ripped my son away and um, caused so much pain to my wife. You know, a lot of times when we stand at Eli's grave, there's this fury that rises in my soul. And again, it's not towards the Lord, but it's at death. And the fact that Jesus did the same thing um, and that, that Paul calls death the greatest enemy and that Jesus is gonna destroy it finally one day, um, that's so freeing to, to know that there's actually a good and righteous anger that we're allowed mm-hmm. to express. Um, and we even tried to do that at Eli's memorial service too. Like actually, <laughs> Joel, um, our friend who I talked about last episode, he, he kind of facilitated the service. 
And he started by talking about during a worship service where he couldn't worship because Eli had just been born. And he was just saying, damn this. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he didn't mean it in like the, you know, the crass way, but, but damn death. Like this is a cursed, horrible thing. Death is not normal and it's okay to be angry towards that. What would you say? What would you just say to those listening, to those viewing who have who have suffered loss? <laughs> um, I'm sorry. <laughs> that would be my first response. Um, and everyone has and will experience loss. And even though you know our situation is unique, I've thought I've thought about death a lot. You know, when when you're confronted with it, um, and even for you know the the grandson or granddaughter of a 99-year-old woman who's passed away, um, that's still not normal. Like, death isn't normal. And so um, I would say that I'm sorry. (laughs) There's no words for the pain. Um, And I would encourage people to lean into their grief and their lament. And actually, you know, it seems counterproductive. It seems counterintuitive to, you know, lean into the pain and the heartache, but, um, you know, Solomon, like I said, says sorrow is better than joy, and you're actually, you experience deeper joy when you, um, when you lean into it, um, is kind of always, again, in, in Ecclesiastes 7, but then also psychology w- would confirm that if you suppress grief, and if you suppress sorrow, it leads to further complications down the line, um, and so I think the gospel gives us freedom, and it's, you know, corroborated by science that, um, grieving <clears throat> is healthy, and I would encourage people to, you know, we've said to groan boldly, like to actually just let the heartache and let the groaning happen, um, and don't feel like you have to hide that. Justin, I, I kind of would love to talk to you for this for this next question and, and this idea of, of helping people, or what do you say to people who are supporting others who have lost a loved one? Because Obviously, you and Jenna and the family have walked alongside Clinton Jillian through this. Um, you know, when you're walking alongside a family member or friend who is dealing with a tragedy or a loss or suffering in some way, and you've never experienced that yourself, it's almost like you you have no idea how to how to be there for them, um, how to walk alongside them. So, can you talk about that process and what that was like for you? Yeah, it is hard because you go, you know, again, you have, um, and I think this is with the church, like the, the church wants to, to be supportive and, and, and provide hope and, and answer, and, and but it's hard because we don't know how to do that very well. We haven't seen it modeled very well, and so you have a lot of like these canned answers that, that usually come to people's mouths um, to, to kind of try, you know, again, with good heart and intention of trying to, to make a connection or trying to reach out. Um, but then inevitably a lot of stupid things come out uh, that are actually really hurtful. And I think one of the things that we've learned is like everyone's loss and suffering looks different. Like you, if there's not just like, well, here's how everyone gets through grief and this is how this person should be reacting and responding and this is the timeline that they should be getting over it. And this is, you know, like there's all these things that we just assume can be easily put together um, in a response. And I think that's the first thing is realizing that everyone's loss is unique. Um, even if it's very similar, um, there, everyone is made up and wired differently. Um, and I think, I think that's been a big, that's been a big, a big piece of that. 
um, is, is learning the story of the person you're supporting, Mm -hmm. knowing what they're going through and listening to them and not being quick to, to bring a, uh, you know, an answer, um, to be present in their suffering as well. Like to, and it's easier when it is family and you're, you're suffering along with them. Like we have our own suffering that we're working through as well. Mm -hmm. Um, um, so I think being present in that suffering, realizing that that person that, that they're going through is that, that experience is unique, um, and being mindful of what you say. And, and I think those are a couple of places I would start. I, I feel like the same thing. I'm like, uh, like you said, like, I don't feel like I'm an expert mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in supporting them. And this has been a, uh, a, a new experience for us to walk through. And we feel like we fail at it all the time. We're like we have intentional conversations. I feel like that's another thing. Jenna and I have very intentional conversations with one another about like what we're saying, what we're doing, how can we help? What are the, you know, like, what is the, before we just go and, and do something or say something. Um, and, and so that's been very helpful to kind of press into that, um, a little bit more Clint over this last year, almost a year, how, what are the things that your uh, family members and friends have done well that has, that has helped you guys through this process? A lot of things. (laughs) Um, I think even just going off what Justin said, and he's been an amazing example of this, uh, people close to us have, and I call it courage have had the courage to sit with us and just ask us how we're doing hmm. and say very little. I mean, I, I've been in probably countless restaurants throughout Lancaster County, coffee shops, Panera, all that, just weeping across the table from Justin, from other friends who are willing to step in and just ask. And that's like really uncomfortable. And I'm not good at that, walking hmm. through suffering with others but that they would just ask, how are you doing? And then just let the mess follow. Um, and that's been incredibly helpful um, just to have people who are willing to go there with you and are willing to kind of enter into the mess and sit in this public spot as you are just weeping mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and even crying with us and weeping with us. Um, so that would be the probably the biggest thing that those close to us have, have done. But there's been, I mean, countless practical ways that people have helped us personally, but also have helped honor Eli as well. Um, so like some of the things, um, like even after getting home from the hospital, we didn't have to cook a meal for two months. Mm. Our church, our supporters, our family, our friends, I mean, our fridge was stocked. Like I forgot how to grocery shop, you know, and we had to cut it off. Clint gained weight. I did. I gained almost 20 pounds. Um, you know, the, um, the fact that when we got home, our house had been cleaned, laundry had been done, like everything was taken care of, just like the really practical things. Um, we got cards for, I mean, we haven't stopped getting cards to this, to this day. Uh, I mean, obviously like it's, spread out a little bit more but we were keeping them all in a box and we ran out of space in Mm -hmm. this in this box we had to get a second box um so people being present through emails texts calls people sending gift cards so that we could you know go out on little family dates when eli was with us but then after the fact when jillian i just need to get away um people have given gifts to honor and remember eli um Again, that, there's such a long list with those things, but even like I just mentioned the box, a student who I discipled was, a, was in cabinet making and he handmade a box 
so that we could put cards in it mm. and, and hand engraved Eli's name mm. on it. Um, our best friend is a professional photographer and she came with us to the hospital so that we could have pictures with, with Eli and with family. Um, man, I mean the, the organization friends of angels, you know, you don't, you don't think about funeral costs until you have to plan a funeral and friends of angels and workmen funeral homes, the, 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 they um, provided the services for the funeral. They donated their services. Um, a this is crazy. A Trappist monastery in the Midwest handcrafts caskets, and they donate hmm. um, caskets for for children. And it was this beautiful, handcrafted, made out of oak. They donated it, and they also carved out a cross with Eli's name hmm. from it, so we could have that. Wow. So. Um, yeah, even like the financial burdens were taken care of by people around us. Um, so, I mean, I could go on and on for the ways that like God has shown us compassion through his people, just being willing to sit in the mess with us, being willing to help us practically, being willing to honor and remember Eli as well. Um, so, yeah, there's been a lot. And we've just been, I think, going back to the intentionality, I, I you know, like we've just, I don't know if it's like the, older brother and me like wanting to protect and but there's been times like I know <clears throat> you know we've just had like and it's been good from to hear from them like very practical ways like when our family gets together how we can honor Eli and, and support them and be be authentic and not like push things under the rug um, I think I've like accidentally yelled at my not yelled but like been harsh towards my parents because like i'm like like a bulldog like they'll do something like wait no did you talk to did you talk to us about that before we did that like um and i think it just takes intentionality of thinking through and and then being very open about it like i remember one of my friends who lost uh a son um through through delivery a few years ago one of the things that he said to me i said i had asked him this is actually before uh, Clinton, Jillian, and Eli, um, I'd asked him, like, what was some of the, what would he say to, for someone going through suffering? And he said, the one thing for for them was uh, people think that time washes away all the, the pain. And he said, it, it doesn't. Like, it, it, this is, I think, I think C.S. Lewis talks about this, like, if you cut your arm off, mm -hmm. like, you eventually learn how to operate without your arm, but you're still missing something of you. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so my friend said, you know, we just, we still appreciate people remembering um, their son's name and still ta talking about him years. I mean, it's been years. And he's like, people just kind of assume, oh, now, you know, it's been five, six, seven years, like you're over it. Right. Um, and so being able to even share, you know, even in family times, we've talked um, and with our kids, like our kids talk about Eli and pray uh, and talk about playing with him someday. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> so. How have you guys continued to honor and remember Eli? Um, I think the biggest kind of, well, I think sharing his story and, and grieving. Um, a really helpful book has been Lament for a Son by Nicholas Wolstersdorf. And what he says in the beginning is that every lament is a love song and that grief is testimony to the one, to the worth of the one we've lost. And so, just sharing like and being honest about our pain and being honest um like justin just said it, it, it's an amputation like our son has been ripped away and that's an absence that we're never going to get used to 
um, and being okay with that sort of sadness and giving honor to him by by being upfront about that. Um, but then there's been some some unique opportunities to to do that, like you know doing something like this and talking about him and. Um, you know, we did a we did a 5K that Friends of Angels puts on every year, and so we put together a team and you know designed these T-shirts that Jess and I are wearing and Love raise it. money for Friends of Angels. Um, I think just for me, writing, not only about Eli but also about grief, has been helpful. Um, I don't know if you could even help me. I, oh, I think um, his funeral and his memorial service were for me planning those was kind of my biggest outlet I think in terms of honoring him um you know I'm like a I'm a teacher I'm a creative thinker and a little bit more on the artistic side of things so to be able to organize and, and orchestrate his funeral memorial service um was was one of the ways that I could really honor him um you know keeping up pictures in our in our house of him and um I'm trying to think of other things. There's, there's a lot that we're trying to do, and we're gonna <clears throat> continue doing. Um, yeah. Can you just talk a little bit more for the listeners and viewers about Frail Father and and how they can get connected with that and and what you're doing through that through that site? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it's simply me just writing about our story, um, writing about Eli, and um, again, that's another way that I've been been trying to honor his life. Um, so, I mean, I started journaling, you know, after all of this and, and writing about different things and, um, and I, I think actually what spurred it on was C.S. Lewis's book, A Grief Observed. I would say, um, that was one of the things that helped prepare me this, prepare me for this the most because you see this like unbelievably intellectual and, um, sound theologian who's writing a journal after his, his wife has passed away. And it's like so raw and messy. And the first time I read it, I was like really uncomfortable. But that, watching C.S. Lewis wrestle, enabled me, along with the scriptures, to just be honest about our pain and honest about our confusion and want to share that with people and share Eli's story with, with others. So Frail Father is me just writing about uh, Eli writing about my fatherhood, writing about our grief, um, and sometimes, you know, there's there's hope, and sometimes there's not because that's just how how grief is. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my my creative outlet of sharing the mess of our grief and sharing Eli's story. And it's it's tremendous. I mean, I don't know how many comments and uh, that I've received from others that have like come across it and just said, "This is just this is." And he, I mean, you're a good communicator, but when you sit down and write, your his writing is just so powerful and and very authentic and artistic and 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 personal and powerful and and so many people have really appreciated that resource as a way of that. That's how I feel. And, mm-hmm. and we've walked through, we've even had a few, two close couples in our in our Sunday school class who lost their first son this fall. It was just like bam, bam, bam. It's just like so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they've appreciated that, and I know others have. So I, yeah, you should just follow Clint on Instagram and go to the blog. Um, it's it's a beautiful testimony. So yeah, you can find you can find Clint on Instagram at Clint D Watkins, and then it's www.frailfather.com to follow his blog. Um, 
Yeah, uh, just thank you, Clint, for, for sharing your story. Um, just kind of on the note of honoring and remember Eli, it was November 8th, correct? Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're coming up, you know, we're what, three three months out from that, four months? Not good with math, four. but four mm-hmm. months. How how are you guys, just to kind of close it, how are you guys approaching that, that date and and along the lines of honoring and remember Eli, what do you, what do you think that date will look like for you guys? <laughs> um, I mean, that feels very far away, but also hard to imagine that's only four months. Um, yeah, I was actually thinking like today to the day, it's been eight months since his funeral, since we buried him. So I, th- I don't think we've actually thought about November 8th yet because we're coming up on August 10th, which is when we've, when we found out hmm. his diagnosis. Um, yeah, and still, I mean, we're still grieving, and I don't, it still feels like we're trying to just survive every day and every week, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll definitely, as we approach that day, and as we've passed by Mother's Day and Father's Day, um, we just kind of talk about each each event and see what's going to be best for us in terms of healing, but then how to, how to honor Eli, so I think... Um, yeah, actually, I, I can't give you an answer. I don't know what we're going to do. It's going to be a really, really difficult day. I think November 8th is always going to be incredibly, incredibly painful. But also, we'll continue to, to honor and remember Eli. So, For the listeners and viewers out there, is there a way that they can stay connected with you guys? And obviously, Frail Father, they can follow the, uh, follow the story. But is there a way they can give to Friends of Angels or purchase a T-shirt? Any way they can contribute for for somebody who feels kind of that nudge out there listening? Yeah, I mean, Friends of Angels is an amazing organization, and, and it's local here to Lancaster, but there's other organizations out there, too, that help. Um, I mean, we we had to do a bulk order of our T-shirts, but we are hoping to do a second round, um, and, and the proceeds go to Friends of Angels, and it's also a way to, to wear Eli's story is how we've, we've talked about it, and they're pretty sweet design. Yeah, a friend cool. of ours designed them. Um, so, yeah, following us on on my Instagram or on Frail Father keeps them connected. But, yeah, there's Friends of Angels and other organizations that help with uh, the pain of child loss. So Awesome. Well, Clint, thank you again for sharing your story. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's hard to imagine what you guys are walking through. And it's just awesome that your guys are out there and telling your story. And like you said, not afraid to, to take the time that you need to suffer and mourn and lament through this. And, and I mean, it's brand new to you guys and um, just working through the process and Justin for you just walking alongside them as well and and being able to sit alongside Clint here and mm-hmm. share your story as well so I know this is is greatly going to impact our listeners and viewers and, and everyone out there so thank you guys for listening and thank you again to Clint you can find him at Clint D Watkins on Instagram or at frailfather.com episode 42 is brought to you by friends of angels you can find more at friendsofangelspa.org. If you're interested in, in being a Men of Iron sponsor for the next podcast, you can go to menofiron.org backslash sponsor. Thank you, guys. Episode 42, we're out. <laughs>